0: Welcome back to the podcast and to a new series of episodes that will lead us through the last few hours of Jesus' life as recorded by the Gospel writer John. Over the next several weeks, we'll be diving deep into John chapters 13 through 17, and we look forward to having you join us. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube
1: as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Welcome back. We are excited to be continuing our study of uh, John chapter 13 through 17, which is really the final conversation that Jesus is having with his apostles really right before he's arrested and ultimately crucified, and we've spent over the last several weeks uh, some time working our way through that conversation, and we've gotten to the very end of it, really, in John chapter 17, where Jesus kind of concludes with what, in essence, is a prayer uh, straight to his Father. And we talked about the beginning of that prayer uh, as we're going to break it up into three different uh, episodes last week, verses 1 through 5, and so today we're going to spend some time in verses 6 through 19, where he'll move his focus to his uh, apostles, his current disciples, as he talks to God specifically about them. So, before we get into that, John, why don't you kind of uh, context, you know, pull us together a little bit from where we've been and uh, and where we are? Yeah, we talked
0: last week how when you get to John chapter seventeen, the uh, the the audience shifts a little bit. It's it's no longer Jesus necessarily talking to his disciples so directly, but now Jesus is turning his attention to his father, and they're going to have a conversation, or Jesus is going to talk to his father, and he talked there in the first part of chapter 17 about how the work that he had been sent to earth to do has been accomplished, and it's finished now, and and there's a moment of celebration in, in that as God has been glorified, Christ has been glorified through the work that he's done on earth. And so they can they can celebrate that together. A plan that was in the works since before the world was formed has now been completed through Christ. And so there is a, a joyful tone to that. And now, as we get deeper into this prayer, Jesus is going to uh, begin to talk to his Father about those that he's going to leave behind, about those that have been entrusted to him, and he's going to pray specifically for Uh, his disciples, and he's going to pray for those to come. And so we're going to talk this week and next week about how Jesus frames that part of this prayer as he speaks to God about those who are following him or will follow him. And and it really is going to give us a lot of insight into uh, just how valuable Christ sees those who are followers of his. And and the seriousness with which he took each person that the Lord entrusted him with. And so it's really, it's really impactful to uh, to read through this and to to hear the emotion in Jesus as as he talks to his Father about these people.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So let's go ahead and read it, and then uh, we'll spend a little bit of time in talking about some of the specific things that Jesus had to say. So we're in John chapter 17, if you're able to follow along with us or or just listen. But we're in John chapter 17. We're going to read beginning in verse 6. And we're going to go down to verse 19. Again, this is Jesus, and now in the midst of a prayer that he is offering to his Father, he says this, "'I have manifested your name to the men you have given me, and out of the world they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you.' And they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I came and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth." So, John, before we kind of get into the specifics, just kind of stay in big picture a little bit. What really is striking to me as is we, is we've studied through this, we're really working very hard to kind of keep the context as tight as we can. It's been difficult because, you know, we've stretched this out, you know, this study from, you know, chapter 13 through chapter 17 to... Weeks yeah. now, weeks, <laughs> but and we've tried to reiterate that this is a conversation uh, uh, in real time. Maybe a couple of hours at mm-hmm. this time is spent, and then it is right after this. They're in the garden. And he is arrested, and, and hours from here, he is on the cross. And so we've worked hard to kind of keep that. Context. And I think it's important to kind of keep that in the front of your mind when you're listening to this prayer that Jesus is offering. Because as we talked last week about, you know, the kind of the beginning of this prayer where oftentimes we'll reference that, you know, Jesus is beginning and he prays about himself and then he prays about his disciples, current disciples, and then the disciples that are to come. And I I guess to a point that that's right but yet as we talked about last week it wasn't like those first five verses he's just he's asking for things for You're himself right. I mean he he's it's all about the glorification of the father is really what that passage is but here in this section he is clearly asking for things yep. on behalf of his disciples and I think it's just interesting we've talked a lot about it but I want to make mention of it again just where Jesus' mindset is, where it would be so very easy to be very self-centered in this moment, but yet he continues to have what is best for his apostles in his mind. Even here as he's praying to the Father, he's very specific what he what he wants the Father to do for them.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really telling. Again, you mentioned the importance of keeping it in context— and so it's really telling when Jesus talks about, you know, I have given them the words that you have given to me and I have I've done all that you've asked me to do. I've supplied them with everything that they need. Some of that teaching has literally come right on the heels of this prayer. He has just spent time uh giving the disciples some of these very important teachings that they need before he's going to leave. Now he's been doing that over the past several years as well. It's not as if this process started uh, here in these past few chapters but but there is a sense in which he understands and is relaying to God I have taken this responsibility very seriously and I have given them all the tools that they need in order to be successful after I'm gone and I, you know I, I think when I read this one of the things that it really highlights is Jesus's sense of stewardship while he was here on earth he was a steward of the words that God had given to him. He was a steward of the people that God entrusted to him, and that was something that he took extremely seriously, so much so that here in these last few hours, he is relaying some of these things to the Father. I took this really seriously, and I, I did everything that I needed to do while I was here. It's a good lesson to us when we think about reading the Bible and how we handle God's Word, we are stewards of the words that God has given to us. We are we are stewards of the prophetic messages of the Old Testament, we're stewards of the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the apostles. And and we should take that responsibility very seriously. We're stewards of those whom we teach and who we try and influence. And you can get just a sense here very briefly from Jesus as to how serious that should be taken. And I think given the context of where he is, what he's been doing, and what's about to happen, you can just tell
1: how important that was to him. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, stewardship is a word that popped into my mind as well as you're reading through this, especially the the first part of, mm-hmm. uh, of this uh, text that we had just read. And, and you know for us you know just kind of thinking of you know application wise you know as Jesus is you know kind of speaking to me two things kind of popped into my mind one one that you've made reference to already that we are stewards as disciples of his today we are stewards of his word, just like yep. Jesus was. He was, stewards of, he was a steward of the truth, of what God had, had sent him to say, and, and he made mention of that specifically in a lot of the same ways that we're exactly the same. Certainly mm-hmm. as disciples of his, we have his word, and uh, it's now entrusted for me to do something with it, certainly to, to treasure it in my own life, but to also share it with the people that are around me. And so there's no question that there is a, an application piece there about the seriousness with which we have to attack that stewardship. But then on the other side, he also makes mention of, you know, the fact that he's looking out at at these men that he has been spending this time with, and he paints the picture that, that God, you have have given these men to me, Mm -hmm. and I have cared for them, I have taken care of them, I have given them and prepared them as best that I can. And so he feels confident in, in the way that that has gone. And I was trying to think just by way of application, and the one thing that popped into my mind, certainly as a father, is that's in a lot of ways what parenting really is Mm -hmm. all about. That's true. Because it, it is all of the children, all three of the kids that I have, Were given to me by God. They are gifts from Him. And I am a steward now of those. And there are things that He has entrusted. He has entrusted those children to me. And uh, I have a purpose as a parent to fulfill. And I hope as I'm nearing the end of that process, as my kids are getting a little bit older, That I have this level of confidence Mm -hmm. that I would be able to pray like this, that I would be able to say to, you know, the Father that these these children that you have entrusted me with, that you have given to me, I have protected, Mm -hmm. I have cared for, I have loved, I have shared you with, speaking about God. That I would have the confidence, because the what, what this does for me from Jesus is this is exuding the confidence that he has yep. that I have done it, it goes with the idea of it you know it 's finished right every it, what the purpose for everything is it 's done, and now he is ready to move on and, and it 's that level of confidence that I want to have with both of those things, mm-hmm. both the Word and the people that i 've been entrusted with
0: and, and to continue along your your parenting analogy. Jesus also speaks to the unity that they now can have with Christ and the Father. Jesus and his Father are one. They are unified. And now the followers of Jesus can also enter into that unity as a result of this. And so when you think about, you know, we think about our children and our, our families. We want our our families to be unified. We want a closeness among our family. And Jesus is expressing something very similar here with his disciples. Listen, I, you have given me these, and outside of, of Judas, they, none have been lost. They are now brought into this relationship with us. We are one together as you and I, Father, are one. And there's there's a beauty in that, and I think you're right. There, it's something that as parents we should aspire towards with our, our children as Christ, with Christ, he is he's praying this prayer now near the end of his physical life, and he's able to look at these men who he has called out of the world and has prepared them for what's going to come. And he can see now the fruits of his work and the fruits of his teaching, and he's looking forward to what's going to come next for these men and the impact and the influence that the gospel is going to have on so many. And it's... It's, it's this weird combination that we talked about last week of joy in the midst of a sorrowful time. Jesus has been talking about having to leave. He understands what's going to happen and the, the pain he's going to experience over the next several hours, and there's, there's sorrow in that, um, and yet there's also joy as Jesus looks at what's been accomplished during his time here on earth, and, and this— this gives us another glimpse into that, perhaps from a little bit different perspective than what we were talking about last week.
1: Yeah, I mean, that remains kind of a striking thing, and that was the one other thing I wanted to talk about before we got into some of the specifics at the very end of our text of what Jesus is asking about, is that you have there in verse 13 that, you know, he says, I come to you that these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. And we've talked a lot about that in this incredibly emotional conversation that we've seen between Jesus and his apostles, he is really kind of closed with joy, as we Mm -hmm. see here at the very end of chapter 16, right before this prayer, he he makes the point that he he wants peace to be there. So he's talking about joy, he's talking about comfort, he's talking about peace in, in a very high emotional, sorrowful even moment. And I think that gives us insight about what, what Jesus is all about, and I think it gives us insight about what a relationship with Jesus is all about. Even as he kind of goes into the very next verse that he says, listen, the, the world's going to hate them. Mm-hmm. Well, h- how is it? can you have peace and comfort and joy in, in the midst of a world that hates you? Well, that's because that's what a relationship with Jesus is able to do. And, and for us, it's, it works the exact same, right? In, the, in a wicked world, we can still maintain joy and maintain peace and maintain comfort because of the protection of this relationship, and, and that really moves in to where Jesus, he starts to ask pretty specifically some supplications on behalf of his apostles. Yeah,
0: he, he's talking about the reality that he's not asking for them to be taken out of the world. He recognizes the important role that they're going to play in the world. That's not that's not going to happen. They're going to remain in the world, but what he's asking is, as you mentioned, the protection of the Father from the evil one and from all of those who are going to despise them for what they're teaching and want to hinder them from doing those things. He's asking the Father to protect them and to provide them with that security around them, and he's recognizing the fact that, that they are going to be different they are going to be set apart and he uses the language that's found here sanctify them by the truth the the truth of the the gospel message that jesus has brought to the world it is going to set these men apart from the rest of the world they're going to be forever different and it's going to be noticeable and it's going to lead to the world hating them because of it and we the same is true for us today when we make application to this that as as believers in Christ and as children of his we are sanctified by the truth his his message has set us apart and it has made us different and any time you're different in any way there's going to be repercussions for that and so we still face that today certainly differently than what the apostles faced in the first century thankfully we don't, we don't fear for our lives every time you and I sit down here to, to talk about John 17. But there, we would be fooling ourselves and we would be blind to the reality that there are repercussions for standing behind the truth and standing up for what Christ teaches. And so we have to deal with some of the same things in different ways that the first century believers did and all other believers since then have had to deal with. And Jesus acknowledges that but realizes that it is it is worthwhile and that there is
1: protection that's provided by the Father as a result of that yeah I mean it's a you know it's certainly a, a request that Jesus is making here of the Father that you know as the rest of the New Testament kind of unfolds we, we begin to see direct promises made by God of this very same thing you know the promise that listen satan cannot separate us from god Mm -hmm. he does not have the power to break that bond he just simply does not in every temptation god has promised us a way out of that he has promised us that we're not going to be boxed in in any capacity when it comes to temptation he has he's, he's promised us all of those protections and all of those comforts that jesus is talking about right here and even when we see the book of acts I mean, we see the book of Acts, we see God directly uh, protecting the apostles at times when he keeps them safe. He breaks them out of prison on multiple occasions. Uh, You know, even Paul, after stoned, uh, God seems to pick him up and, you know, put him in a position where he can, you know, kind of carry on. You know, we see the very physical manifestations of that but even for us today those same promises are in place because that's what that's what god is is willing to do and, and so you just for me when reading this you, you, jesus knows they're going to have a hard time mm-hmm. and he knows the father has the power to protect them and it is it's I mean, it's love. I mean, there's no getting around it. It is the love that he has for these men and how important they are to him that at the very end of his life, they are on his mind. I mean, we've talked about it through the entirety of this entire podcast, right? That at the very end of his life, it is these men that are dominating Jesus' thoughts. And as he prays here at the very end, it continues to be these men who are dominating his thoughts. And that uh,
0: the reality that they are going to be set apart mm-hmm. because of the truth and, and the reality of the security that is found in God— that allows Jesus to send them out into the world. I mean, that's what he's saying here. I'm not, right. I'm not asking you to be taken out of the world. In fact, I'm going to send you into the world. And and you can think about the time in which Jesus was saying these things. Certainly his fame and his message had spread throughout the region over the past several years. But you think about where we are today, where the Bible literally covers every inch of the globe. It's, It's available practically in every language that's spoken in the world today, and it all started because God recognized the importance of setting apart people and protecting them and giving them the ability and the opportunity to spread the gospel, and it it starts in, in ways like this that we're reading about in John 17, and you go through the book of Acts, and then you start to see as, as Paul and others make journeys to different parts of the world, and the gospel continues to spread. And then 2,000 years later, here we are, where the Bible is available to everyone. And, and it really is just a culmination of what Jesus recognized was going to happen here. And that happened with a lot of hardship, even bloodshed along the way. But the protection that God offered isn't physical protection. It's a spiritual protection. And everybody who is sanctified by the truth has the comfort of the protection of God, knowing that whatever happens in this life, I can't be taken from his fold and his safety and his security. And so these men would have been extremely comforted to know that and to to hear, you know, we talked about the the fact that it seems as if there are still others around him at this time. And so they're hearing this prayer that Jesus is praying here in John chapter 17. And so I imagine that there's some comfort that's being found
1: in these words. Yeah, there's no doubt. And what Jesus is going to be able to do is he's going to be able to morph from this very present, very current focus of these men who are around him and him talking about them to the very end of this prayer to be able to scope out in a lot mm-hmm. of ways and to be able to reach out into the future, even to where we sit today in 2022. He, he's able to reach out that far, and, and it really makes for a, a, a spectacular close to not just this prayer, but this time with Jesus and his apostles from John 13 through 17. So I'm looking forward to covering that next week. We hope that you are able to be, be back with us. We'll conclude John chapter 17. We'll pick up there in verse 20 to the very end of this uh, prayer of Jesus where he will really reach out and be focused in on all of his followers that are to come. So we look forward to studying along with you once again next week.